Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sanderlanch podcast. Today, we are talking about The Well of Ascension, chapters 35, 36, and 37, wherein they go and have dinner with Set, and much excitement ensues. Breeze helps the Ska and saves Dintend Will. Then he has a uh, pretty cool conversation with Clubs, I think. And uh, Vin follows Demu to determine whether or not he is the spy. I'm Data, and with me is... Jamie. Joe. And Dak. So hold on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Yeah, so I just want to start out by letting everyone know that in order to have uh, some time off towards the end of the month, we're going to be recording the next four episodes, or well, this one and the next three, not exactly back-to-back, but pretty close to back-to-back over the next couple of weeks. So if you send an email or something, it may be a while before we get to it, because by the time you hear this, we may have been done recording, actually. I'd have to look and see exactly when everything's coming out, but I think that's right. By the time you hear this, we will have stopped recording for the month of November, and it's only November 6th today. So Yeah, but you guys will get all the podcast goodness that you want. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're doing it up for you early. That way you get, you get your, your fill. Exactly. I don't know if when you know Christmas comes, we might end up taking a week or two off. We'll have to see. But uh, we're recording enough so that you have something all the way through November. So that being said... What did you guys think of these three chapters? Yeah, again, really, really good chapters this week. I found myself not so desperate to have some kind of battle. I actually really liked getting sort of shorter stints, uh, like within one chapter of different people's viewpoints and different things that were happening. It felt like there was a lot more going on. I liked that we got a little bit more about Sazed and Tindwill and their relationship and I was really excited that she's starting to get interested in, say, uh, research as well, and that she does respect him. And it's not just a total case of you are such a rebel and we don't like you sort of <laughs> sort of vibe. So I, I really enjoyed their relationship and seeing a bit more about what Breeze is doing and that that subconscious that he's just doing it all the time and just trying to really cool chapter or part of the chapter to read as well. Yeah, dinner with Set went pretty well, exactly how I was expecting it to go. <laughs> but yeah, good read. Really, I really enjoyed it. So I'm super keen to get into the next chapters when we finish recording today. Yeah, I mean, is this the first time that we've seen like a Breeze point of view? I don't recall yep. offhand, so you, it's definitely something different. Mm. And you, you know, the moment you're no longer so eager for uh, an action scene, it means an action scene is coming up like the very next chapter or something. It's got to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to. I just I feel like some of the other chapters is with a lot of the politics and the talking and the planning. Some of those chapters are still like they go on for quite some time. So it was nice to kind of just chop and change a little bit and get everyone else's viewpoints and you know what's going on in the world of Sazed and I just yeah I felt like there was enough to sort of keep us going. Oh oh this is cool this is cool what's happening here and you know, conversations coming up about the deepness again. And it's like, ah, oh, good. We're, we're finally trying to get to that point where we start 
exploring this more than mm. just in Finn's head. So, yeah, really, really exciting stuff. I thought it was funny because last week you're like, I'm done with these, like, sitting in the library discussing stuff chapters. And then we kind of have with, like, Saze and Tindwill a sitting in the library <laughs> chapter. But it's, like, something you're more interested in hearing about this time. Yeah, and it was it was shorter. I think it was it was just That's not true. more yep. of the same sort of stuff over and over. It was like, oh, hang on, it's a slightly different topic now, and it didn't go on for pages and pages and pages. So it was it was a bit different to what we've had before. But if we do in the next chapters go back to sitting around with Ellen around his books some more, <laughs> I just it's like okay, you've done this. And when he was, <laughs> I think it was in the the last chapter that we read. It's like, nope, nope, I'm done reading my books. That won't do any more help. Like, I know what I need to know. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Ellen's oh, yeah, not going to totally read any more that. books. <laughs> I forgot. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, maybe we're at the end of those chapters. Yeah, these chapters were good, man. I, I totally agree with Jamie. We got some kind of beats that were not action-packed, but they they actually had a lot of substance to them. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, particularly in the past, we were talking about all the plannings, possessions, like, they're planning stuff. They're, it's got all the political stuff. There's an undercurrent of that in the first chapter because they're talking as set. But really what we get in these chapters is something that we haven't gotten, I feel like, in a lot of the book, it's character development. We get Bree's POV, which gives us a lot of character development. We even get some character development on clubs, just a little bit when he's talking to Breeze because he talks pretty openly with him. And um, I really liked, like Jamie said, I really liked the stuff with Tindwell and Sazed because even though we, we are talking about a more interesting subject, we're talking about the deepness, but then also you finally see Sazed like kind of step out and, and actually express his feelings to Tindwell. And obviously there was some kind of undercurrent going on before now. So it's kind of a nice little payoff that they're like, she's like, well, I should go. He's like, what if we study together? Please stay. Like, you know, it's very, it's a very, it's a very good moment. Um, I think for those two characters because it's something that we've been leading to, and it, it, it didn't feel forced. Like it paid off well, and I feel like that was probably the best part of these chapters is just all the character development that we got. So I really liked it as well. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's like less, uh, yeah, less, less plot driving here, but we just get to sit down with the characters and see inside their heads a bit more. And I think it's just that's been. I feel like that's been a long time coming. Yeah, Breeze, Clubs, uh, even Orianne, we like find a bit more about her inadvertently, which is good. And uh, Captain Damu, like we just see a lot to do with him. Finally, get that little piece of the puzzle. So that's kind of cool just to see. It, it's kind of a slice of life sort of section where you just see what's going on in the city, and it, it just works really well. I think it's remembering too that everyone's got their own stuff going on, whether it be related to what's happening in Luthadel, outside Luthadel, just in their own personal lives. They're still their own people. They're not just the crew. I think that was really cool. Yeah. Did you, uh, Dak and Joe, did you guys like Set any better in this chapter than in the last one? We were like, I hate this guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to think about that for a second? No. no. Okay. <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I've pretty much made up my mind about this character. Unless there's some dramatic turn where he like becomes super awesome, I'm good. I don't need any more of this set guy. I found him a, bit, a little bit more interesting in this chapter rather than just the cantankerous. I'm gonna come in and fuck you all up, but you should see the city to me. Blah blah blah. Yeah, he was he was a bit more interesting this round, but he's still he's still just like, all right, you're probably not gonna last very long, and I'm not gonna miss you when you're gone. Yeah, fair enough. There's 
there's one section at the very beginning of the annotations for this chapter where he says, Set was perhaps too fun a character to write. I needed someone the opposite of Straff, and it was very fulfilling to write in an enemy to the series who was completely straightforward and belligerent. He still stands out to me as being quite different from any of the other antagonists in the series. So Brandon was a fan, at least, it sounds like. Uh, he was entertaining in, in this chapter, but I don't know, I, I feel like too much... Uh, we'll have to see when we get to other chapters with him, but I feel like too much of him could probably just get a bit repetitive. And I don't know, for some reason, this is going to sound dumb as shit, the way he talked and just how casually blunt he was, I'm just like, is this Groundskeeper Willy? <laughs> okay. No idea why that came up, but so, like you know, less less the accent, but he's got got he's got the beard and and the just outright very open belligerent attitude. And like mm. I'm getting a very groundskeeper Willy vibe off of this. Now I want him to say cheese eating surrender monkeys. Well, if they <laughs> surrender to him, maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh. I want him to be stabbed in the back and then just say, "Ah, I'm bad at this." <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into these chapters. the The first one starts out with uh, Quan. And his epigraph just saying, let it be known, I'm a fraud. So that that's him saying, Lendy's not really the hero. I'm not really the announcer. We read that in the bit says read yep. before, didn't we? I believe we did. And then we get to Vin putting on a dress. And she's like, man, it's like going to a ball again. Which I don't think she felt that way about going to see set. Or, I mean, uh, Straff, rather. So, And since the last time we saw her, she's given away the rest of her jewelry to Ellen to sell to help the... Uh, people and Tindwell saying that she thinks she's about done with Elland and we find out later that her plan is now to go to the other leaders and give them the same sort of training if they want it <laughs> which which part of me wants to see that happen <laughs> I just I just want to I, I just don't know how they'd feel about a terrorist woman coming in and telling them how to be king um, <laughs> yeah yeah I can't imagine it would go down particularly well <laughs> no it it'd play out like a like a sketch comedy where she walks into Straff's camp and says, "I'm going to tell you how to be a good ruler," and he's like, "Shut up and get in my bed," and then she punches him in the nuts. <laughs> True. Okay. Do 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 bong. I think uh, I think she's too old for him. Yeah. For his for his preferences, as we've I'm discovered. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. But I do like that image. Uh, yeah, this this part, when she said that, I was kind of like, I mean, I get where she's coming from. That's her thing. That's what she's supposed to do. But that seems like a really bad idea. And then uh, then we don't have to worry about it later because no, it becomes moot. Be yeah. Uh, we cut down to Ellen getting ready to go. And Breeze is nervous. And he tells Breeze, well, you don't have to come. And Breeze is like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you up on that. Yeah, he's not hesitant in the least on taking Ellen up on his offer to not come. And Ham's like, you're not even guilty about it, are you? And he's like, no. Have you ever known me to express such a dreary and uninspired emotion? Oh, it's like, it's like that old cliche of like the aliens going, what is this thing you humans call love? But this time it's Braze just going, what the hell is guilt? <laughs> <laughs> guilt is for lesser men. It reminds me of the, the Dresden Files scene where they're like, with his godmother where they're like you have no shame do you and she's like shame is for those who fail to live up to their responsibilities oh leah uh what a fun character so evil uh <laughs> she, she's in an episode of deep space nine random fun fact uh, i almost said says deciding not to go there's a z in both names breeze deciding not to go <laughs> but this time ham gets to come with a bunch of soldiers and he's happy about that Look at all the sleeves he can destroy. 
and it's like a weird thing where as they approach Vince kind of thinking how it's like a, a microcosm of the siege that's going on. And they have a, a cute discussion about how they never got to go to a ball together officially. And I like her idea about like hosting balls where the nobility pay money to that can go to help the ska or the people in need, which one has to assume are mostly ska. But I guess there could be some poor nobility in need. And they go into dinner with Set, and he's like, you're late. I started without you. And he's just scarfing down food because he's that kind of dude. Oh, Spooks here, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, spooks, <laughs> spooks over in the corner. Yeah, it's fine, though, because they don't talk about him at all besides saying he's there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's back I mean, on hey, the at I, I, I get where Set's coming from. You know, you invite people over to, for dinner, and, and they're late, like, uh, I'm not going to wait to eat. I mean, uh, you're my guest. Like, you should have been here on time. Like this, sh- this shit's getting cold. And Vin instantly noticed that it's, like, all really messy stuff. So that, uh, well, she says drumsticks, as if that's something really messy. And I'm like, I guess it depends on how you cook it. If you got, like, barbecue wings, and that might get messy, yeah. <laughs> we're also covered in gravy, so chance to just slop it everywhere, depending on how you're eating it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Jimmy James from News Radio, where he eats spaghetti with his hands. Oh yeah, to intimidate people. <laughs> it's like that—that's how you get rich—is you just eat so messily it messes the other person up while you're making a deal. I remember that's a great episode. <laughs> but Ellen is like, "Why do you even want to talk to me? You know, I'm not going to vote for you." And so it's like, "Yeah, you know, I thought it'd be interesting." Then Ellen says, "Is this about your daughter?" And he says, "No, keep her." The day she ran off was one of the few joys I've had in the last month. So, nice. but like, but like the the brother was really shitty about it last time. Was that just to get Ellen in the door, or was the brother care more about it than than Daddy does? This is a good question, actually. Yeah, it's it's uh it's very clear. The answer is incest, Dak. Oh, that's your answer for everything. Yeah. I don't the the brother uh, uh, meow meow or whatever doesn't uh, really say <laughs> anything. Although I'm pretty sure he's there during this meal. He's just floating around in the background, isn't he? So we don't know. Yeah, he's uh he's set spook. He's just he's just <laughs> hanging out. He's just there. When Vin comes in the door, she's like his son is a te- stood at his side, and that's when she's like one of them has to be the misborn. So yeah, he's hanging out. Can't get a wooden edgewise around dad. Well, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me given his dad. Ellen's like, well, what if we hurt her? And he's like, yeah, you're not gonna do that. I know enough about you. And he thinks that he spotted everything. He's like, oh, you really think that, like, I would be fooled? I wouldn't recognize one of the Survivor's crew when you sent Breeze to, like, mess with me? And Ellen's like, you only chased him off when you found him being intimate with your daughter, the one you claim to have no affection for. And he's like, wait, is that what he told you? I don't care if the girl seduced him. Which, I don't know, did anyone else read it that way before uh, what we learn later? No, this definitely changed my view. Mm. And he says the real reason he traced him away was because he tried to turn him and Breeze refused. He's remarkably agile for a man his size. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Burn. Really, you could, I guess you could have come back with a joke about how Seth's not agile at all, but uh, yeah. that might be in bad taste. <laughs> Poor taste. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, Seth's a jerk, but come on, let's not be, uh, <laughs> let's not be, let's not be dickheads. <laughs> he should have uh, used his mis- his mispowered wheelchair. I would have yeah, chased him down. Exactly. <laughs> now, now you get me thinking of like a steam-powered wheelchair, like the guy in Wild Wild West. <laughs> Good old Kenneth Branagh. Man, that movie's been a bad. <laughs> See, it's really bad. I don't remember the last uh, time I Will, watched it. Will Smith turned down The Matrix to do that movie. 
Vin starts sniffing the food for poison. And Seth's like, wait, you think I'll poison you? And Ellen says, nah, you wouldn't use poison. You seem to be honest, too. And he says, no, I'm just blunt. There's a difference. And he says that he's already told him three lies tonight. Good luck guessing which ones they were. So this is the part that I meant to bring up last week. So I wanted you to be on the lookout and try to figure out what three lies he told him. What do you guys think? Did you spot any of the lies? I think Breeze being remarkably agile for a man his size is probably a lie. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I I didn't care. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I don't like, like Set. Seth, I don't care about Set. He lied to Ellen. Big whoop. Everybody lies to Ellen that's against him. Why would they always tell the truth? That doesn't make any sense. I reckon the everything order. he said was the truth. And now Ellen's going to be like, what lies did he tell? <laughs> so there's only one lie, and it was... Only one lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lied about lying. Well... The only reason I even ask is because it's actually in the annotations where Brandon's like, by the way, the three lies that Set told were first, that he didn't care if Alrian ran off. Second, that he was not annoyed when he found Breeze was having a relationship with her. And the third one was that he had told three lies during the conversation. There were only two, and this one made the third one, and that's why he says good luck figuring out what they are. Mm. Jamie was onto something a little bit there. Close, but no cigar. And I like Ellen's like, you're playing with me. He's like, well, yeah, obviously I'm having fun. And eventually he tries to mess with Vin too. And he's like, what? No comments from the Mistborn? She's just like, you swear a lot. You're not supposed to do that in front of ladies. That's what, that's what just made, like made it occur to him. It's like, has he really been swearing and going back? It's like, oh, you know, he's like saying damn a lot, but it just occurred to me. Oh, there's actually not a lot of swearing in these books. There is not. And in a lot of his other, in a lot of Brandon's other books, he, he does what fantasy authors often do, where he makes up, like, new in-world swears. But he had, there's actually a thing in the annotations about that, which I didn't read, and I won't actually read the whole thing. But he doesn't tend to put a lot of swear books, but he, he does do that thing where he makes up new ones sometimes. But he didn't feel like that really fit in this book in particular. So he feels like you might see a few more than you see in some of his other books in this one, but that's because he felt they were appropriate and fit here. But you guys haven't uh, haven't read enough of his stuff to have gotten that impression of him yet. So I guess it just clicked because you know, like with a Song of Ice and Fire or a King Killer Chronicle, where there is quite a lot of swearing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. it really hasn't been much. Yeah, I, just, I think it's the kind of guy Brandon is. He's a, he's a little bit, and it's funny because I was watching an interview with Jim Butcher the other day, where somebody asks him. You know, like Harry Dresden, what kind of books does he have on his shelf? Because, like, there's only a couple ever mentioned, but he has lots of books. He reads a lot. Oh, so, I think I remember. I listened to that podcast. Yeah. So Jim starts rattling off. He has this and this and this and this author and this author. And he has Brandon Sanderson. He likes him a lot. He thinks he's a little bit naive, but he likes him. <laughs> and so that's kind of – I can see where he's coming from there a little bit. But anyway, Ellen asks that what is he going to do if he becomes king? And he says, well, first thing, I would have you assassinated. Because you can't have old kings hanging around. And uh, then I'd get rid of the assembly. And he makes a good point, which we kind of talked about earlier, where he's like, look, letting people rule themselves, it's nice, it's fine, you know, when everything is bright and happy. But when there's an emergency, you got armies outside and everyone's terrified, then you can't really afford to have these people around who are going to panic and kick you out. When you can't have both freedom and safety, boy, which do you choose? In the annotations, he actually mentions this specifically because he wrote this in it would have been 2003 2004 something like that 
And he says, and around that time was not too long after there was a lot of heightening of security in the U.S. due to September 11th in 2001. And so in here in the annotations, he says the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk on this topic and it kind of wormed its way into my writing. I didn't put it in there intentionally, but I did monopolize on it when I found it there. So why not? Yeah. But set has some points there. Maybe not great ones, but uh, and set tells me he's going to put the scar back to work because they're going to choose me faced with the choice between freedom and slavery. They will choose freedom. Ellen retorts and set just laughs at him and is like, oh, it's hilarious that you can say that and sound serious. And then we get to talk about the adium because that's what set wants. That's what everybody wants. They showed up to get this adium and they tell him that it's not here. And he can't believe he's like, wait, what? Have you checked everywhere inside the statues and things? I was kind of just like, oh, you're just going to let like give them that information again. But then I was like, oh, he's already Strap already knows. And if Strap has said he and Set have an accord, so chances are Set's going to find out anyway. So may as well. I mean, you know, at this point, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what happens if Set doesn't get elected king. What does Set do at that point? But if he gets elected king, then he'd find out then anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. But then we find out that even though Set thought he was playing Breeze, Breeze managed to play him, getting the ar- his army to come here. He's like, well, but Breeze did everything he could to keep me from coming here. I un- it seems we both underestimated each other. Uh, and meanwhile, Vin isn't really paying that much attention. She's looking for Alamancers hiding in the room. And she spots a couple, a couple pewter guys, thugs, and a tin eye in the other room listening. But nobody else, not even hidden behind a copper cloud. Very suspicious to her, at least. And when Set finally accepts that they don't have the adium, he's like, huh, okay, well, I suppose that holding you for ransom would be pointless. And Ellen's like, dude, I'm not even king anymore. Nobody's going to care. And he ends the chapter by being like, well, I guess I'll have to let you go then. <laughs> yeah, I did like that. How Ellen was like, I'm not even king, man. Like, they're not going to they're not gonna pay for me. Not that they have any money to pay anyway, so, you know. So I personally really like the uh, the set dinner chapter. I think it, I I like set more than you guys. I think he's fun and funny and uh, amusing to watch because everyone else is like straight man to set. And he he, he makes a point where he's like, pit you Luthadel nobles. It's like you're more offended by like my my being rude at dinner than coming to conquer your city. And they kind of are because yeah. it's just not proper. And so like <laughs> the world is straight man to set. And I love that. Yeah, I just, you know, I guess you could you could say the dynamic is he's like a guerrilla fighter, whereas these people are like stand in line and shoot at each other. Like, that's the kind of guy who's going to stab you in the back and tell you that as opposed to these other guys who are like, well, for honor, let's have a duel. (laughs) Duel, that's silly. I get the feeling I'll probably really appreciate set a lot more. Once we finish the book and like when I go back and reread it at some point in the future, because I, I, I did enjoy this chapter. I thought he was reasonably funny, but I think just the what we've been saying, he's at this stage, he's really the personification of dragging out these politics talks like we've been saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're, we're all hankering for some more action and we thought, oh, maybe we're going to get some. And then he came in. It's like, all right, we're back to politi- politicking again. again. So I guess, uh, yeah, at this stage, he's just like, more politicking in human form that's just been dropped on us so i think that's where our issues lie but once i've once we finish reading the book and i can go back and through and i see how the story plays out and where and then i know when the action starts and when the politicking ends like as a character i'll probably appreciate him a lot more then i don't 
I, I feel like I might have given the wrong impression. I don't dislike him at the moment. I'm just more interested in the other side of the stories going on than the one he's involved with, and he's just lengthening that process. Yep. But well, we do get bits and pieces of this other story coming up, so there's that at least. Yeah. Yeah. Next chapter. Well, Lendy was never the hero of ages. At best, I amplified his virtues and created a hero. At worst, I fear all we believe may have been corrupted. Ooh. It's dramatic. Also a bit at this point in the epigraphs, I'm a bit like, okay, Quan, we get it. You made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) How much much room do you have on this steel plate? (laughs) And you're still whinging about how you got it wrong. Like, just move on and tell us what you need to tell us. He could have just said, I was wrong about Alendi. He wasn't the hero. And then moved into the next thing. But... (laughs) (laughs) There's, I guess there wasn't anybody behind him being like, hey, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Still, like he's, ca- he's carving this into metal. He's like, oh, my wrist is cramping up. I shouldn't have been talking about him so much. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have let my bromance take the first third of this uh, piece of metal. It's very sad. Okay, so the first... Uh, we find out that the, the warehouse where they used to keep all the weapons at the end of the last book is now being used to store... All these refugees that have come into town and say spent like the entire day going through and helping the sick people. This this lady who I guess had six children and has now lost five of them has a sick baby. And it's just so sad. Yeah, it's really awful. And it's not even one of those things where Sage is like, no, she can be fine. Like Sage is like, oh, this kid does not have much of a chance, but I got to I, I got to, you know, put on a good face. Well, he's, he still describes Ellen as the king. He's like, I will talk to the king. Like, uh, just, yeah. That's true. Everyone, a lot of people have been calling him that still. Hmm. Maybe it's just because he's finally acting like more kingly. Maybe. I mean, it's just because, maybe it's just because they haven't picked a new one yet. So they're like, you know, who else are we going to call the king? Maybe it's just easier than just like, I will ask the nobleman formerly known as king to. <laughs> also, I think these people have got other problems in their lives to be worrying about. Hang on a minute. Why are you calling him King Island? He's not the king anymore. He can't help us. Yep, blah blah yep. blah. They're just grateful for someone paying attention and you know trying to help them. So, you know, yep, you go talk to the king. <laughs> Anybody. I don't even yep. care who you talk to. Just get us some damn help. Yeah. They don't care who's yep. the king. But it, it it's really telling that Says can't even bring himself to like preach one of his religions. It's just the whole scene is too depressing. He he thinks esoterica would not ease this woman's pain. And that's when Tindwell shows up, and she's like, dude, you've been in here all day. And he's like, well, yeah, but who else is going to look after these people? I'm the best one to look after them, I think. Also, Breeze is here, soothing the people's despair. <laughs> Sitting there pretending to read a book. Yeah, I love that they look over and he's reading a book, and when we cut to his point of view, he's like, man, I don't, I don't read books. Who would waste their time doing something like that? <laughs> oh, Breeze. But it's just... Oh, the- that's just typical for him. It's just like sitting there pretending to read. He like has this casual air of nonchalance while he's trying to help people, but he doesn't want to be seen as helping people. So I'm just like, uh-huh. you're actually deliberately making yourself look more like a dick when you're actually being really heartfelt. It probably means, though, that people leave him alone. Like if he's reading, say he's isn't going to come up to him and just have a good old chat. You know, he's, he's reading. It means he's got the opportunity to really tune into people and their feelings and work on what he's got to work on. So it looks like he's busy reading, but he's actually busy trying to help. Yeah. That's... I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great for him, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
That's... My, yeah, my, my first thought was like, you know, maybe one of the six Scar, which is like, does that nobleman in his fine clothes have to read here? Doesn't he have like a castle he can <laughs> fucking read in? Somewhere else to go. Uh, they probably don't care. Although it is kind of obnoxious. Like, they're all, I imagine they're all huddled, like, on the floor, and this one guy's got a chair and a nice suit, and he's just sitting there reading. Yeah. Uh, see, optimally, that's the hope, is if you're you're sitting somewhere reading, people aren't going to come up and bother you. It's not my experience. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, Tinville is like, you do care for them. And she's like, man, you confuse me. And finally, uh, she, after he says, you know, I used up all my wakefulness running here, so now I'm tired. She finally th- says, okay, fine, show me what is so important that you ran halfway across the world across two dominances uh to get here and says so like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing ever somebody else wants to see my research but there's an <laughs> interesting all of a sudden he wasn't tired again right I, I i buy it there's an interesting note in the annotations here because he says tinwell did wonder if says really cared about the people i guess that means like the people of the final empire or not you see in her mind if he did care about the people of the empire he would not be in luthadel he would be out doing what a keeper's supposed to be doing. It was good for her to see him here, trying to help as best he could, and ignoring his studies to care for the sick. He does care. He's perhaps the most caring person in the series. He's just trapped trying to do what is best for as many people as possible. I wouldn't say perhaps. I would... Well, I mean, I don't know who else we meet in, in the rest, but of all the characters we've met in both books so far, like he is easily the most compassionate and caring person of the bunch. Yep, I like, agree. That's not, even, that's not even a competition. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for Tinwill, just her version, like her version, her stereotypical version of caring that the keepers do is not what he is doing, and I think that's why she's kind of confused because what yeah. she thinks looks, what she thinks caring looks like is not what Sazed is doing. And that's when we so. jump to Breeze's point of view, and he's like, "Ha, another job well done." As the two terrorists move together, <laughs> and he has kind of this long, like, internal monologue about people misunderstanding him and soothing how he needs he he's constantly looking and having to figure out what people are thinking and that's why he is the one who spotted here that while everyone else thinks that Tindwell and says don't like each other there's a a very different thing happening there and he's like you know those kind of emotions you don't feel that strongly about somebody basically because you don't like them that comes from something else and he's also, he's like, soothing is not mind control. Tindwell didn't, like, walk away as soon as they left Breeze's area of influence. So this is just our, our big, long diatribe about soothing and how misunderstood poor, poor Breeze is. No one, no one gets him. Hatred rarely creates the measure of bitterness and frustration. Those emotions come from an entirely different set of problems. That's the bit I was looking for about Sazed and Tindwell. So, yeah, there's something else happening there, which we get into more later. And that's when Ellen comes in with Ham, and Breeze immediately starts trying to help him too, and soothing away certain emotions. But he notes that uh, uncertainty was not one of the ones that Ellen was having a problem with anymore, because of the terrorist woman's training mostly. Ellen is becoming more certain of himself. That's good. I I guess I I just like the note that uh, Breeze is impressed at how she's able to change how people feel without Alamancy. He's like, oh, wow, you're good. It's true. That that that's the respect you get from Breeze is if you can do what he does, but she does it without Alamancy, so it's impressive. And I like that he nudges Ham to make him less argumentative because he wasn't in the mood at the moment. 
you know, just like if he like, makes Ham less argumentative, which begs the question: is like, why doesn't he do that all the time? He doesn't seem to enjoy <laughs> like when when Ham just jumps on him, and starts ribbing the shit out of him. So maybe deep down he does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he Alton's looking for Sazed, and Bree's like, nah, he just left. And he tells Ham he wants to him to go down and round up the clothing merchants and bring them in here to see this. And I guess I, I think we kind of skipped over that, but there was a whole thing where Straff took like all the shit. They barely even have clothes and it's getting cold and clothes are now super expensive because uh, the merchants realized that there was going to be a run on this stuff. And Ellen does not like that. He's like, food is expensive. I understand it's scarce. That makes sense. There's no reason but greed to deny the people clothing. Don't be assholes. And I don't know that anyone, I don't know if you guys had ever picked up on what Breeze mentions here, where he's like, the others realize how weirdly non-confrontational Ham is. Like, he does not, he hates fighting with strangers, which is a weird thing in someone who's hired to hit people, more or less. (laughs) Which I don't think is something that I picked up on before he said it, but I guess it's true. We don't see Ham fight a lot. Yeah, looking back, well, I mean, he did say in the first book when he was teaching Breeze, it's, uh, teaching Breeze, teaching Vin, you know, it, it wasn't about knowing like how to fight but it was um it was knowing you know the best way to best way to make a fight short and simple and effective just so it's over quicker mm-hmm. and also you know knowing the, there was a little bit of knowing when not to fight you know that 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 whole thing so like actually thinking back it does make sense ham doesn't pick a fight unless it's absolutely necessary so yeah didn't really pick up on it until breeze has pointed out but now it's like oh yeah i can sort of see it some some extra stuff added to ham's character which we get we get this little bit about Ham, we get a lot about Breeze, and we're about to get probably more of Club than we've seen ever. But one of my favorite lines in this whole chapter is Ham's like, Breeze, someday you're going to have to learn to think of other people. And he says, <laughs> as long as I can think about them from a distance, Hammond, I shall be happy to engage in the activity. Oh, that guy. But uh, Breeze heads back to the palace, and he goes and sits down to hang out with Club's. And they have a weird exchange where Club says you're late, and Breeze says you're early, and Club says same thing. I don't understand that, but okay. <laughs> Not quite the same thing. <laughs> and I just didn't expect these two to be hanging out at all. Right? That's exactly what I was going to say. They've developed like this weird friendship where they apparently hang out like nightly or so. And not the two that you would think would be getting together. But I guess Breeze explains it that at this point, I can't really help but soothe people around me at all times. And so it's kind of nice to have someone I can just hang out with and not worry about that. Which I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Club's just like, oh, that's why you just never try and pick up women at all. Or at least when he used to, because he's always just paranoid about, does the woman actually like me or am I just making her like me? So he actually avoids it. That's another level. Right? Yeah, that is much more uh, deep than I gave Breeze credit for before this scene. Oh, yeah. They've always talked about him being hopeless with women. Even Set said that. And so I kind of accepted that, oh, he's just like awkward around women. Fine. But no, it's like this whole deeper introspective thing, which I did not expect. Yeah, he's like he's actually freaked out by his own powers in a sense. Yeah, he's he's like, when a woman comes to love me, how could you trust or how can I trust that it's me and not the Alamancy? And Clubs is just like, you're a lot sillier than you act. He's so blunt that he's fun to be around, but not like obnoxious blunt like set. Yeah, maybe he would be said if he talked more. He just doesn't talk that much. But also Set's a very selfish person, whereas Club's, like, he's cantankerous and grumpy, but he does care about people, whereas Set yeah. doesn't, so. But I- ironically, 
clubs is also hiding some of his more altruistic stuff in this scene because they get into talking about like Kelsier's job that he recruited them all for and how it kind of breezes like it just it ruined us like I joined for the challenge I I never did know why you joined and clubs like money and if we remember our first book that is not why clubs joined this team yep yeah do you guys remember what he said offhand no Uh, I thought he said something about like actually overthrowing the Lord Ruler like if it could be done he wanted it done what he said in the first book when they when explained to Kelsey or why he was joining was that the Lord Ruler was going to get him someday, and this way at least he could spit in his eye as he went. Oh, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah. And I don't know if that was completely true either, but he, he's trying to hide from Breeze that he, he he did not have completely necessarily selfish motivations for this job. And they just sit here and they're like, you know, the kingdom's going down, there's nothing really we can do, and clubs... Clubs is the one in charge of the army. He knows better than ever, ever anyone. And Breeze is like, he's not the kind of guy to soften the blow here when he's just like, yeah, you know, we're not going to last. But we're still here. And it's freaking Kelsier's fault. <laughs> Breeze is like, we're thieves and scammers. We shouldn't care. I mean, I've gotten so bad that I sue scullery maids so they have a happier time at work. Which he did on his way in, in this <laughs> scene. Yeah, You've been corrupted. It's very sad. I hate not being a selfish dick. <laughs> and that's when Ariane comes in. And she's like, there you are. And immediately he's feeling something. And he's like, no, no, stop. You dirty old man. She's half your age. And I like that he's like, shouldn't you be in bed or something? And she's like, it's nine o'clock and I'm 18, not 10. So I think this may be the first time we find out she's 18. I kind of assumed that she was older. I don't know why. I think I did too, actually. Like maybe not too much older, like early to mid twenties or something. But eighteen's pretty young. I mean, Vin may be eighteen at this point, honestly, or nineteen. I don't remember how old for sure Vin is now. I guess it's not relevant. And uh, sazed or not sazed? I keep doing that. Breeze ends up putting his arm around the girl, and they're just hanging out with clubs, drinking. And that's when we cut to Vin, and she's like, "Ah, that answers that question." Ariane is a rioter, and she's been rioting Breeze's emotions ever since she arrived to make him more attracted to her. Yeah, and I, I gotta admit, like, when I first got there, I was, like, mind blown. Like, I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming, but now looking back, like, and having listened to some of the earlier episodes, like, there are a few times I think both Jamie and Joe were, were saying, like, this girl's definitely got a lot more going on to her, and I was like, I don't know, maybe not. And, uh, yeah, they were both right. Yep. Well, and it could explain... We now know because of the annotations that Brandon was saying the set was lying about caring about what we, what they did to his daughter. It could explain why he and her brother were so intent on knowing about her safety and stuff, especially her brother. It's like if she's writing her own family to have stronger feelings about her, then it's very possible that she's kind of got them wrapped around her finger as well. Ooh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, she, that's true. She, she's secretly the mastermind behind the whole set family. Well, that's not what I said, but okay. <laughs> well, no, I, I was expanding <laughs> possibilities on what you said. <laughs> all I'm saying is, I don't, I, you know, she may have a larger goal at, at stake here, but all I was saying was she, she like Breeze, may be one of those people that just can't help themselves, that use their power, their, that soothing power all the time. Mm. And based on the personality that we've seen, she seems like she's she might be a little bit vain 
And so somebody really? with that kind of you got that? Yeah. Somebody <laughs> with that kind of personality, I can see very easily writing everyone she sees mm. she sees to like her. Um it doesn't work on Vin, I guess, because she's already always got her uh whatever on. Um, copper. Yeah. She's always got her copper on, but it could easily be something that she's doing all the time to everyone, especially if she wants them to like her. Mm. So presumably not like uh I would assume that she's not writing everyone in the same way as Breeze, where it's like romantically interested in her, but maybe to just right. like her. That might explain why yeah, Ben yeah. didn't stab her already. But that's, you know, like she gets presented to Ellen and Ellen's feeling pity and compassion. So she's just like, mm-hmm. yep, amp that right up. Give me some good rooms. Give me some food. Give me a pastry chef. <laughs> <laughs> But Vin uses this scene to tell her that neither Clubs nor Aurian is a Chandra. So she's checking more people off the list, even though she still thinks it's Damon. And now that she's... Never hurts you know, to be thorough. Yeah. But now that she's gotten Clubs off the list, she's like, okay, it's time to go and arrest him and put him in prison. She's, she's very certain that it's Damon. Also, given... we've... Like, we also, also skipped, like, she's just sitting at a table and Orosaur is sitting across from her. So I was like, why is the... The dog is just sitting on a chair, like... Like, do they have plates in front of them? Are the staff just serving the dog bones or something? Weren't they in the next room? Yeah, they're in the next room over. Yeah, but it says, like, they're in a booth-like room, so I imagine it's similar to, like, a little dining sort of setup that um, the other that the other guys are at. Yeah, I don't know what kind of rooms these are, now that you say that. Like, this is a weird... Because it's not a restaurant. They're, you know, in Ellen's house. They're, they're in the castle, or the, yeah. or the keep. Yeah. So, it's like... What kind of rooms are these like the the rooms that people go to after the balls and like have small meetings with like their buddies or whatever? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I could totally see Straff Venture having a separate dining room set up for Ellen so they wouldn't have to have dinner together. <laughs> yep. You you eat at the kids table for your entire life. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, yes, she decided to put Demo in prison. And uh, she apparently had a servant following him. And she's annoyed that the servant has lost track of him. And they're like, did you want me to follow him out on patrol? Like, that would have looked weird, would it not? But he left recently, so, you know, you catch him. Go. Go away. And uh, he's gone out on patrol by himself, the other soldiers tell her. And so she goes to follow him. And she sees him getting up to a group of ska, getting handed a steaming cup of something or other. And he starts preaching. So... What we find out is that he is a priest or something, a preacher, whatever, in the Church of the Survivor, which I guess is the thing that Joe was theorizing he was embarrassed about last time. He's not hooking up with Orion, at least not that we know. Yeah, Maybe he's uh, also doing that. Right. Yeah, not nearly as fun as him hooking up with Orion in secret, but, you know, definitely Let's, let's not rule it out. She, she could be riding him, too. Yeah, yeah. totally. And uh, I think Vin, I don't remember if it's specifically said in the book, but I think she gets to the conclusion the same way that I did, she's just like, oh, well, he, like, if he was really a conjurer, I guess he wouldn't have been looking nervous really around and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, she's also, she's like, why would a conjurer come out here and meet with a group of people like this? Right, exactly. But then again, why would Demu do that either? And so she's like, this is weird. That's weird, right? But it's interesting. He's got, like, this whole thing, you know, he's preaching about the, the survivor, and he gave us the mists, and... We have to survive, and, you know, we're going to go through bad times just like Kelsier did, but he showed us how. And somebody's like, what about the Lady Air? 
And Jamie's like, Lady Vin bears great responsibility. You can see the weight bowing her down and how frustrated she is with the city. She's a straightforward woman, and I don't think she likes the assembly's politicking. Well, yeah, who does? <laughs> well, Vin, Vin less than most, I would imagine. But, you know, and they're like, but she's going to protect us, right? And he's just like, yes, I believe she will. You know, the survivor only had two years to practice as a Mistborn, and she's barely had that much time herself. And he says that she's going to stop the ash from falling, bring back the sun. Then you have to go and tell your assemblyman you don't want Set or Penrod that they should vote for Elland. Someone's like, Elland is weak. He won't defend us. And Damu doesn't come back at them quite like Vin does, where she's like, no, you shut your mouth. That last time that same thing happened. But he's like, come on. Lady Vin loves him and she wouldn't love somebody who was weak. You just think Penrod and Set are strong because they treat you the way that Scott used to be treated. But that is oppression, not strength. We have to trust the survivor's judgment. He didn't exactly choose Ellen, but, you know, we're just going with a theme here. And Vin has like a little thought to herself about how this religion is developing. Like they they don't have all these complex systems that says talks about because it's too new to need that. They just have these basic like don't give up, keep fighting like the survivor taught us to. Which is kind of nice. It's a very it's very uplifting message. Never give up. Never surrender. Never give up. <laughs> But she's wondering where he got these ideas about stopping the ash and bringing back the sun. Because Kelsey, you talked about that kind of stuff. But like, where did Damu hear that? Because it's not like Kelsey went around it. saying it to everybody. It's like she goes up. Did someone steal the Lord Ruler's diary again? <laughs> <laughs> and so she asks Orsora straight up. She's like, hey, you, you took Kelsier's bones and uh, pretended that you were him back from the grave, right? So what did he say to tell people? He's like, you know, just simple stuff like the time for rebellion is here. I, Kelsier, have returned to give you hope for victory, but not anything about the sun turning yellow and no more ash. He's like, no. It's like, so where did this guy hear this? And so she just goes up and asks him, she's like, hey, so you remember the Church of Survivor, huh? And he doesn't want her to tell anybody about it because, you know, he doesn't want the crew to think badly of him. He's like, Ham thinks preaching about the survivor is silly, and Lord Breeze says the only reason to encourage the church is to make people more pliant. Yeah, that sounds like Breeze. <laughs> That's Breeze. And Damon really believes in Kelsier. He died to overthrow the Lord Ruler. He taught us to survive. And he's like, even though I know about Alamancy now, and I realize what he was doing like that day when he helped me fight, I still feel like I feel him sometimes. And so she starts quizzing him, like, do you remember the first time we met? Yeah, do you remember on the doll where you felt Kelsier's touch? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Wow. And Damu has interpreted that the destruction of the army and everything, that was just, that's just a test. Yeah. To see if we'll survive. And she's like, that's, no, that's not, but whatever. And he's like, she's like, where did you hear this stuff about, you know, no more ash and yellow sun? And he's like, the survivor taught that, didn't he? She's like, not really, No. He didn't really go around teaching much of anything, to be honest. And he's like, well, I don't know. A lot of people are saying it, so I guess it must be true, right? But he does not remember where he heard about this for the first time, and it really bugs her. But she agrees to only tell Ellen what she saw, and he's like, okay. And now she does not think that it's Demu. Early, she's not nearly as confident as she was, because he feels too real to be faking it. And Orser tries to go back to, well, you know, we're really good at what we do. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know, but... We're not going to arrest him, okay? Not yet. So, if Damu's crossed off the list also, uh, we're running out of options here. 
Joe's option is still on the table. He may be the only one of uh, mm-hmm. the three that we started out with that Vin hasn't kind of crossed off her list at this point. Yep. Looking pretty good, guys. Looking pretty good. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting note in the annotations that, uh, and this shouldn't be in any of the editions that you guys are reading, but apparently in the scene with clubs, the, uh, there's a misreference to him being a seeker instead of a smoker and burning the wrong metal. And he says, I knew that I'd do this at some point in the series because the thing is, Clubs was originally the team seeker and Marsh was the smoker, but I swapped them before I started writing. Uh But there's some latent thing in the back of his head that still thinks Clubs is a seeker. There you go. We crossed Spook off the list already, haven't we? That was, yeah. what, the shopping trip, I want to say? Yeah, the shopping trip, because she told him, make sure you got your tin burning, and he turned it on. Yeah, just running down all the team members in my head. It's like, who's left? Maybe maybe it's that um it's the friggin' obligator that we met last chapter. What was his oh, name? Norden. Norden? Yeah. Yeah. Norden. Good guy. Good guy Norden. The book guy. Good guy Norden. <laughs> Good <laughs> obligator yeah. Norden. He just makes it makes me think of Garden Master Norg. There's another Final Fantasy reference for you guys. <laughs> nobody likes him. No, nobody likes Norg. And then you get to kill him, so it works out. Yeah. You get to kill lots of people. Yeah. You kill lots of things in the Final Fantasy games. I don't know much about him, but I know that. <laughs> yeah, lots of killing to be done. But uh, Brandon also says that part of the reason they touch on this thing with in this chapter with Vin bringing the plants, the sun back and the plants back to how they were is I don't hit the visuals on the world as hard in this book as I did in the last one. Hopefully it's present enough in the setting to make you remember the sun is red because of the haze in the upper atmosphere. Plants are brown, not green. There are no flowers, et cetera, et cetera. So the most colorful thing in the world is the Coloss? Wow, that's an interesting point. That would be really jarring if everything else is red and brown and horrible colors, and then to have these bright blue-skinned giants. Yeah. The Mistrace aren't... They're, like, translucent if they don't have an animal. They're not, like, blue. For whatever reason in my brain, I keep thinking of blue blobs, but maybe it's because we keep saying goo blobs. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's Dragon Quest. All the blobby things in Dragon Quest are, or not all of them, but the the yeah. classic ones are blue. Oh yeah, and the flan uh, monsters in Final Fantasy are often blue. Oh yeah, they got the four colors of flan. There's no difference between good flan and bad flan. Just uh, okay. So next final chapter for this week, and he this is where he apologizes. So I come to the focus of my argument. I apologize, even forcing my words into steel, sitting and scratching in this frozen cave. I am prone to ramble. Yeah, we noticed. Yeah. And the fact that you're talking about your rambling on your uh, rambling uh, metal wall, probably not a good plan, bro. (laughs) But also, like, he's doing it in the frozen cave. Is he at the well when he's doing this? Is Is, like, did he just... Is he sitting outside waiting for Elendi to come out and like he finds out it's actually no. Rashek? It's like, is that what he's doing? <laughs> no, he's at like, the conventicle, just right? Here, so I thought I would just carve this giant apology in. Yeah, uh, but he's at the conventicle, not outside the well, right? Well, that's what we well, thought. No, the plate but was, the plate I'm was pretty sure it says something about. Yeah. They could have dragged it there. Yeah, even forcing my words into steel, sitting and scratching in this frozen cave, I am prone to ramble. So it's a frozen cave. I don't know that we can say any more than that. I mean, maybe but in the winter. But it's not inside the, convent- the conventicle. Well, I mean, maybe, you know, the that, that room in the bottom of the, where they found the, the sheet that was kind of cave-like. Maybe it was originally a cave, for all we know. And it was cold at that point. I was in the say, year. It definitely wasn't cold there when we, when we went there. 
no, not. So yeah, we don't know. I guess is the answer to that. It's like, it's like Rashek comes out of the cave and sees a Lendi carving this thing. It's like, all right, I'm gonna build somewhere for us to put that. And Han's <laughs> like, all right, cool, no worries. I'll carry it there. And then and then like, he, Rashek builds it in like the opposite corner of the Empire. It's like, all right, Quan, take it there. He's like. Fucking, uh, okay. <laughs> tw- tw- 12 years later, he rocks up with this thing strapped to his back. He's like, I fucking made it, and collapses down that crater. <laughs> and that's how he died. Crushed by his own word wall. So sad. We cut to Sazed and Tinwill, and they've studied all night, apparently. They're still working on stuff. And even though they both have access to all this information, it's apparently faster to when one of you finds something for you to just go ahead and write it down for the other person to read rather than trying to explain where in all of these libraries of information in their own metal minds that is for them to find, which I guess kind of makes sense. It'd be like having like this computer system where you don't, you don't have a search function. I guess it's kind of like just having a library. Maybe that's a much better way of doing it. You got to go to the card (laughs) catalog and find where it's going to be. And then you got to hunt down where that number is in all the stacks. So we find out that Sazed is the one who presented her with all the knowledge that had been collected during the 30 years that she spent as a breeder. Jeez, 30 years. Oy. And while it didn't take her long to get an, achieve a place in the Synod, the Synod, whatever, by then Sazed had been kicked out. And basically she has found further evidence that supports the idea that the deepness is the mist. From the biography of one of the last kings to stand up to the Lord Ruler... The deepness has been defeated or at least weakened, but it depleted the food store so badly that the king felt that was why they lost, because they did not have enough food. And so Vin and Tin will kind of both agree that the deepness was the mist at this point. Like all the all the counter arguments have been disproven by their night of research. And even still, like, okay, so she she's like, he says he didn't want this to be true. And she's like, wait, so you defied the synod to go after something you didn't even want to believe. And he's like, well, yeah, because it could be important. This is a thing that could destroy us. We need to know about it. And even after all the studying, she doesn't think that this is a thing that's going to destroy them. She's like, this is all interesting stuff. This enhances our ability to understand, like, the Lord Ruler's ascension and all the stuff that we that Quan wrote. This is all interesting, but it doesn't mean the mist is doing anything now. And he's like, well, but what if the mists are growing stronger again because we killed the Lord Ruler? And she's like, well, there's no proof of that. There's no proof that the mists are coming during the day. And on the possibility of them killing people, we have only your theories. Which I think is unfair because what we found in that city with the crazy guy was, while not 100% proof, it was pretty clear what happened. Yeah, and the guy's like testimony from other people it's and isolated incidents too it's not like the same people right and i think he even mentions to ellen that he like saw the mist one morning like in a valley or something so there's evidence she just doesn't want to believe it i don't think and he just goes yeah i mean i guess you're right and that pisses her off it's like why don't you ever defend yourself like you apologize you ask forgiveness but then you just keep doing the same thing that you always do Maybe they wouldn't have thrown you out if you would at least argue on your own behalf. And uh, this is where we kind of grow to realize that she she likes Sazed kind of a lot. She's like, you're right about the Lord Ruler, and the others might have even followed you if you were a little bit in- insistent. And he's like, I'm not one of those men from your biographies. And she says that you are better than they, Sazed. 
the frustrating part is I've never been able to figure out why. You you missed the bit there where he actively calls himself, I'm not even really a man. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, you just have, like, yeah. now we're seeing, like, the real deep-rooted issues in you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's, I think specifically here he's referring to the fact that he's a eunuch. Right. I know, but, like, that could also lead to some deep-seated, they took that away, that's the thing that makes me a man. Yeah. So, like, what, what, like, what worth have I? Which is bullshit, but if that's how he feels... Well, and I, I kind of skipped over it at first because we get into it a little bit more when it, it, the whole discussion kind of turns in more of a romance direction. And he's like, you know, I'm not like a real man. This can't be a thing. And she's like, I've had enough of those. This is where she tells him that she's going to leave. And he's like, what? You're, you're, oh, okay. And he's like, you're still not even going to argue. He's like, why? I mean, you know, you're a wise and determined person. You got to do your own thing. And she has to spell it out for him. It's like, th- this is a whole thing that women have to do for men all the time. You got to spell things out. They don't understand. <laughs> Sometimes people only seem determined on one course because they haven't been offered any other options. Cough, cough. <laughs> hint, hint, sized. Yeah. Give her something. Anything. And he's just like, uh, oh, but I mean, what about your duty? He's like, well, you know, she's like, sometimes occasional exceptions must be allowed. Which is kind of the same thing she says way back when, when she's like implying to yeah, Ellen. Vin that, and Ellen's. Yeah. Like maybe Vin's not the best person for you. And when she figures out that he loves Vin, she's like, okay, well, you know, sometimes exceptions have to be made. It's very similar wordings that ends up here. And that's when he's just like, I can't be what you wish. I'm not a man. And she's just like, whatever. I've had more than enough quote unquote men and childbearing over the years. Which, yeah, I don't blame you for that either. So, but, uh, she says a part of her resents, I guess, her life and what happened to her. And she's like, I know that I volunteered, but I was frustrated all this time. That the only thing that they ever did was plan how to stay hidden, how to continue being conquered. And there was one guy who was pushing them to do something, even though he was doing it alone, basically. And then he went on to free us all, which, hey, says maybe you should give yourself some credit because she's right. Nobody else cared enough to actually try to do this. No one else had the balls, metaphorically, clearly. But you were the one who did try to do something, and you actually accomplished it. And you still think you're not worth as much as, like, any of these other people. So he's humble as well as caring about everyone. Is there any question why everyone likes Sazed? He's just an awesome dude. Yeah. And eventually she has to just, she's like, give me an excuse, Sazed. And he's so hesitant. He's like, I should uh, very much like it if you stayed. And she gives him the one eyebrow thing, and he's just like, stay, please. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I think it's a very sweet moment between the two of them. Yeah. And it's not where I expected her character and his character would head when we first met her, so. Yeah, I mean, if you've liked that kind of stuff, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess that, you know, they keep studying, which that's a, a romantic date for them. It's fine. And we cut to Ellen standing on the wall. There's a line that says winter was approaching. I'm like, winter is coming. I'm on the wall. (laughs) And Ham notes that people are starting to see him as like more of a commander, even though he's no longer king. And Ham notes that he does not want to be a a leader of men. He's like, men need leaders. I don't want to be one of them. Which, yeah, I think we kind of knew that. It's like, he's a Kelsier wanted me to be a general, but eh, it's not really my thing. And Alan's still wearing the crown, apparently. Maybe that explains why some people are still calling him king. If you're wearing a crown, then... 
course, the Lord Ruler never wore a crown, and that's the only other ruler they've ever known. So maybe the association isn't that strong. It's stuck on there with glue or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever product he's using in his hair these days, it just sticks it right <laughs> to him. <laughs> but we do find out that much to, I'm sure, everyone's disappointment after the discussion we had at the end of the last episode, the Coloss did not attack Straff or Set. They just set yeah, up their own bullshit. thing. <laughs> come on these are the things that literally kill anything that moves for like the least possible reason get to the killing well chastis has control over them it's fine yeah, everything's good that's <laughs> yeah that's that's the question right we still don't know how he's controlling them so and they kind of have to say what did he promise you bones wait no that's the other things <laughs> maybe they also like bones we don't know we honestly don't even know like says couldn't tell if they were male and female or no one knows how they reproduce, so who knows what kind of stuff they want or need. But we do know that given how many of themselves they kill, they must reproduce quickly. So maybe they uh, maybe they just split. Like, one of them just splits right down the middle one day. How many Coloss are there? Is this, like, in that army, is that all the Coloss, or are there more out there? Do we know? I don't think that we know that for certain, but I'm I'm pretty sure that they were all over the Empire before. Like, all around the outside, more or less. Or maybe in a couple of different dominances. Like we know there were some over near where Set lived, because there was a thing about how he had to kill like this one small group of them, and it, defeating 500 cost him 2,000 men or something. Right. So I think I think they were spread around. So it seems unlikely that Jastes would could have gotten them all together, but we don't know for sure. Okay, so they have a discussion about how Ellen has decided he wants to lead the people and protect them, and maybe it's kind of arrogant, but it's like maybe a good kind of arrogance and ham's like self-confidence and ellen's like yeah it's just a nicer word for the same thing i don't know that i agree with that but whatever for the for the point that ellen is making it works but it, yeah, yeah they're not the exact same thing and this is where ham's like hey aren't you gonna go get back to studying and ellen's like no i've read all that i can there's no reason to look through the law because if i find a loophole i'm not going to take advantage of a loophole in the law because I don't think that's right, so it's really pointless. And we find out that uh, there's a small skirmish happening between Set and Straff's men, and the soldiers say that it happens every once in a while. So everybody's tense, ready for something to happen. Yep, they're ready for action just like us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ellen is like, first I gotta get my throne back. I gotta be king and have the authority to actually get the stuff done that we want to get done. How Ellen got his groove back. <laughs> <laughs> and he's thinking about Tindwell and all the important lessons she's given him and blah, blah, blah. And he's thinking about the other people running for king. What a weird phrase, running for king. <laughs> and how he's the best one because he really actually cares about the ska and nobody else really does. And how weird is that that he's like this nobleman who cares about the ska? There there aren't a lot of them, apparently. <laughs> like he ends, He's like, I'm not going to abandon these people. That's what I am, an idealist, a melodramatic idealist who, despite all his books and learning, never did make a very good nobleman. And he ends the chapter with, I've got an idea. Any, anybody have any clues as to what idea he suddenly had? Presumably it's related to getting his throne back, but we don't even know that for sure. I got nothing. No worry. Yeah. It's, it's very Focus vague. Focus for me. Fair enough. Any final thoughts on these three chapters before we move into predicaments? I hope his idea is fun and leads to action. Fair enough. I think the fact that we <laughs> ended on a on a cliffhanger 
uh, where he says, I've got an idea. I thought, oh, my God, I'm watching um, the like the original Italian job with Michael Caine again. I honestly don't know if I've seen it. Like, I've got an idea. It's like, <laughs> do you care? Do you care if I spoil it? I mean, no. Does it end the same way as the, the new one? I've seen the new one. No, no. Like the ending is a literal cliffhanger. They're in, like all the guys are in a bus. They've got all the gold that they've stolen, and the bus is teetering on the edge of a cliff, literally about to fall off. Oh. Michael okay. Caine looks back at all. Looks back at all these guys and goes, "Guys, I've got a brilliant idea." Credits. <laughs> That's, that reminds me of uh, of like Hannibal from the A Team, where he's like, "Ah, I got a plan," and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh no." <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I've got a brilliant idea. And then the cut version where it showed more was like, let's get all these tangerines and put them at this side of the bus, and then that will counterbalance the weight, and we'll be all right. <laughs> no, nobody liked that that ending. There's I a, don't know where the tangerines There's a guy just there. It's like, Definitely is that why we brought all these tangerines? <laughs> yeah. That's the tangerines came from the size of a tangerine. Oh right. Yeah, I I I knew that's why you you brought them up. Now it all makes sense. Like, like one reason you would mention tangerines. <laughs> okay. It's all coming together now. From <laughs> tangerines, we move into predicaments. Wait, what's uh, that line from Bender? It's like uh, something 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 something. It's all coming together now. I I don't know what you, that was too vague. Was that? Sorry. Oh. Um, uh, man, that's gonna kill me. Uh, I'll look <laughs> go to the go to the, the Morbotron. That'll tell you. Okay, hold on. It's all coming. Oh, okay, he says. Oh, now I see. Now I get it. Now the pieces are falling into place. The office, the promotion, that dwarf in my oh, book right, club who right. steals my opinions. <laughs> it's all yeah. coming together now. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 probably one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite episodes of Futurama, and that's one of my favorite lines of Bender's. It's like, <laughs> the promotion, <laughs> the dwarf in my book club steals my opinions, which doesn't have anything to do with it, which is why it's so amazing. There's, yeah. Has anybody, has anybody, anybody read the webcomic Dresden Kodak? What? No. Okay. Great webcomic. Uh, amazing art. It, it sucks because the guy almost never updates. But anyway, there, there's this one panel... Where like she, they're, they're in a bookstore and this girl's talking to her friend and then just out of nowhere it's like, hey, isn't that that bear who's always stealing your ideas? And they turn and there's a bear in the bookstore and she's like, get him! And they run after the bear. <laughs> it's just the most random thing, but it's hilarious. I'm going to send, I'm gonna <laughs> send you guys a page. From <laughs> okay. Anyway. But the Bender quote continues because he says, I must say, this opens my eyes. Another case closed, my dear Watson. And that's when Fry's like, Morgan, come back. He's Morgan, stuck in a loop. Back. He's trapped in a loop. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's a good one. Anyway, predigments. <laughs> Who wants to predig a thing? <laughs> I think, so I think we thought, well, I thought originally that these the epigraphs that we were reading would be in a cave somewhere, whether it's at the well of ascension or not we don't know but so i'm fairly confident now that says has not found the entire the entirety of kwan's writing so i'm pretty happy that we'll get more of that i do think now that possibly tindwill will go on the journey probably with says and vin i still think where we're not quite ready to go on a road trip yet but i think she will probably join them i 
think, I mean, the, the Kolos and Jastis army are sort of sitting back at the moment. I think we will see some kind of showdown with Set and Straff's armies, especially they're having little little battles. But I think now that they know, well, they both know there's no Adium here, um, I think that we will probably see something go down between the two of them. Yeah, probably sooner rather than later. But I think that's that's kind of all I've got. Okay. This week. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting um, addition that it's like, oh, by the way, they're out there fighting each other, and we didn't know. So it opens up some other possibilities. And I, I, I like the idea of uh, now Vin's going to go on a road trip with her good buddy Sazed and his new girlfriend, I guess. Sure. <laughs> it's a different dynamic. Yeah. Certain... <laughs> like, well, I think Tin will be the weirdest double date. That would be a weird double date, yep. When we first met Tindwell, we were like, oh, she doesn't approve of Say's methods and all that sort of stuff. And maybe, well, I guess we're really learning that she's not really approving of his not standing up for himself more than anything. So if she's kind of on the same the same page with wanting to find out more about what's going on and and doing doing that research, that's probably something that's going to be of interest to her. And I think I'd said before as well that Tindwell... I really thought she was going to bring some missing pieces together and she doesn't have the whole Aquan's writing yet. So I think she'll be still instrumental in working out some of that as it goes. Yeah. She seems to have some, definitely some stuff to add there. Like one of her biographies expanded our knowledge of uh, the situation without even directly, you know, touching on Quan or anything. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Dak, you can go next. Bye honestly don't know where we're going at this point yeah i'm 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 really not sure i was like now i'm getting the feeling it's like all right the politicking is going to go on for a bit longer but i don't know where it's going to go like if they'll reinstate ellen or not because i think that's what he's going for but yeah honestly i've, I've got nothing <laughs> okay so yeah, the only thing i have had was like the absolute dumbest this will never happen this is a stupid idea but i couldn't get it out of my head was Straff sending in his army of misting children to to try and take out Vin. And, like, right as Vin's being overpowered, Tindall shows up and says, you're not the only one with an army of children. And then her, like, however many, like, Parakemet's <laughs> children will just jump down. It's oh, a wow. Whoa! <laughs> That's amazing! <laughs> oh, man, I hope that happens. That would be awesome. So... You, you actually brought up an interesting point. This might be a good point for everyone to make at least a small prediction. Do we think Elland is going to get win this election, basically? Is he going to get his throne back? Get win, you say? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Solid yeah from but, Joe. But then it's going to fall apart and it won't matter. That does seem like the kind of thing that would happen, yeah. I'm going to go with no. Yeah, no, no. You got, you got a tie break now, Jamie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I think he will get it back. I don't know that he'll get it back right now, but I think he will in the long run. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, Joe, your turn to uh, make predictions. Oh, man, you know what's going to happen? All right, Tenwell's kids are going to show up. They're going to be like, you abandoned us. And she's going to be like, no, I didn't. I'm with my new man. And they're like, that guy doesn't even have a dick. And, you know, they're going to be, like, really upset about that for whatever reason. And, um... And then Vin and Orser are going to go to, like, a doggy uh, master dance. And uh, <laughs> they're going to just have a great time. And then it's, at the end, a female conjurer is going to show up. And 
Orse is gonna be like, "Hey, I gotta get my uh, gotta get my freak on." So he's gonna abandon Vin at the dance, and Vin's gonna be uh... really sad. And then Ellen's gonna show up, and then they're gonna dance together for the first time, and and then they're gonna kiss under the disco ball. And then after that, Clubs is gonna be diagnosed uh, with leukemia, and uh, he's gonna get really sick. And then oh, wow. on his deathbed, he's gonna give Vin like the secret knowledge that he's held for all these years. We didn't know what it was, but like it's a whole thing. And then that's gonna send her on a quest uh, to find herself. And um, then she's gonna go into like a dungeon, like uh, in Empire, or not a dungeon, but like a cave. And she's gonna fight her herself, but it's you know an evil version of herself. And uh, the only weapons is what she brought brought with her or whatever. I was gonna jump in and say that. You know, yeah. The only things and, in there are what she brings with her. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it's a whole thing. That's what I think is gonna happen. Uh, I was when you were talking about the dance. I was also gonna jump in and be like, nobody puts Vin in the corner, but right. I didn't have the opportunities. So. Right. And, uh, <laughs> they will play that song, and then it's gonna be like, I had the time of my life, and then Orser's gonna jump up into Vin's arms, and she's gonna <laughs> hold him up. Doggy <laughs> spread eagle. Wow. That's uh, okay. that's my long way of saying I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> but wouldn't that be a great turn? Well, on a positive note, you guys... have leukemia. <laughs> well, you know, you got to take the good with the take the bad, and you take them both, and then you have the facts of life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh God! Uh, on the positive side, you guys don't have to wait long to find out what happens next. Since we're recording our next episode tomorrow, <laughs> you guys will be able to. That that's my transition into. For next time, three chapters, 38, 39, and 40. Read them up. Eat, eat them up with a spoon. I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> did you guys... You read books. In Australia, <laughs> in Australia, did you guys some guy at times get cereal surprises where they had spoons inside the cereal that were like, they changed colors with cold milk or whatever? No. Uh, I don't think that's something I ever got out of a cereal box. We had shitty little toys in the cereal no. box sometimes. I don't think that was one of them. Just me. No, that... Yeah, that <laughs> I, I do remember that kind of late in like when we were younger, younger, it was like actual toys. And then later on, like as the toys were kind of going out of style, it was like, here's a spoon for some reason. I see, yeah, I see you've played knifey spoony before. Was it, was it just a really, really bad tie in with the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, I think it was pre Matrix. I, I think by 2000, they'd kind of stopped that. Okay. Little kids choking on toys in in uh, boxes or whatever. So yes, for next week we are reading the three new three more chapters. Fun fact: the the episode after that will be only two chapters because they are much meatier chapters. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Step getting some meat on the bones. Here yeah. we go. And we Is that are. What do? <laughs> <laughs> we are now fifty nine percent of the way through this book, guys. So we're like almost a third of the way. through. After the next episode, we'll probably be just about a third. Or, I mean, sorry, two-thirds. That's that's how math works. I was about to say, what? I was like, what? There's no <laughs> way we're... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, did like, you know that this book is, like, 150% long? It's uh, <laughs> it's weird how that works, right? Anyway. It's like the updated version now with more book. So we have two emails this week. And generally, since we're going to be doing this back-to-back, I would save one of the two. But I'm not doing that because these two kind of go together. Mm. So first thing, first email we got was from Retro Rocket, and he says, hey, if I was the same person as Jefferson, I would have at least remembered his name. Nice. Because, yeah, the last episode to come out was where we were accusing them of being the same person. So he's he's denying it, this Retro Rocket is. Who, who knows? He's like, I would have also chosen a better name for than Random Guy. 
I was trying to create a persona for Joe and couldn't think of anything other than that he had gone in a random direction. I don't really want random person to be a thing, as I don't really think it's that good. Hopefully Jefferson can come up with a good name. I haven't reread the next <laughs> chapters yet, so I can't come up with any good questions that I'm positive are in it. But I believe the political dragging is officially over, and most of the book is a pretty good pace. Part two was just slow. Also, spoilers. <laughs> we're, we're pretty far away from part two at this point. I mean, we've done at least one or two episodes outside of part two, so I don't know that uh, you can put much stock in that. Although we have been yeah, moving, you're full, you're full. <laughs> you're we have full been moving into some interesting stuff, at least. He says, also, in response to how we feel about Zane, I will say that there are a lot of Zane fanboys slash fangirls. I don't particularly lean one way or the other, but I will say that he is involved in a couple more of my favorite scenes, and that probably tips the scale to be balanced for me. I think otherwise I would dislike him. Hmm. Okay. So, kind of, sort of positive on Zane. Not overly positive. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't have the full picture yet, but so far. Our second email, which I said was related, is from Jason. And he says, uh, Hello, who? Je- Jefferson here. I am not, in fact, Retro Rocket, and I'm glad that the names have become a thing. So I couldn't really read. <laughs> I had to take the two emails where they claim not to be the same person to read them at the same time. It was just they go together yeah, too bad. perfectly. So. <laughs> Random guy's continued insistence on the Ten Soon theory is really interesting to me. Especially how he keeps admiring that X piece of evidence disproves his theory each episode, but sticks with it anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it really does it really disprove me? I don't feel like I've been disproven. I okay. feel like the only way to disprove me at this point is for another person to be caught as the Chandra. I think there's a lot more burden on disproving than proving at this point. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So they, no, they got to yeah. prove that you're innocent. By measuring it. <laughs> You're saying that Tensun is guilty until proven innocent. I get it. Okay. I, no, that's not what I said at all. Why, why do you keep putting words in my mouth? No, I, I guess you're saying Orsor is guilty until proven innocent. You're saying they have to disprove that Orsor is evil, right. not that well, t- Tensun would be evil. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of it being an imposter you don't know about. You have to disprove that each person is the, is the imposter. That is how Vin is going about it. That's fair. Okay. He says, I think Volcano Dude is the one. But I do disagree with whoever it is that says the book needs more action. What? Is that all of you us? disagree with that? Yeah, I think that was everybody. Oh, and then he says, there's one bit of foreshadowing in particular. I'm surprised no one has picked up on yet. No hints, though. And then he tells me what he's talking about, but you guys don't get to hear that part. Okay. And then he says, also, I'm severely disappointed that no one has made this reference yet. Sincerely, J. Jonah Jameson. Oh! Nice. Yeah, that would have that been a good <laughs> you know one. What? You're right. Yeah, all right, you know I'll pay that. Good job, man. <laughs> you know what, uh, Jackson, J. Jonah Jameson, whoever you are, you must you must think you're pretty tough shit standing up there knowing the outcome of the book, being like, <laughs> I can't believe they haven't figured out this foreshadowing yet. You know what? <laughs> this guy reads from a card, okay? It's clear he already knows the answers. So just, I mean, just give us a break. You wouldn't be so smart if you didn't have that card. This, this guy, guy reads, reads from a card. From a card. My Sean Connery was not good. <laughs> that's right. not even really Sean Connery. That's R- fake Sean Connery. Yeah, that's true. R.I.P. By the way. Yeah, we, we love you, Sean. Even if you if you do have some yeah. uh, some shady outlook uh, uh, opin- opinions on. Hey, women. man, we're we're saying R.I.P. Not let's discuss his negativisms <laughs> or whatever. Hey, you take the good with the bad, and then you have facts alike. That's true. 
Someone told me that once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it Tootie? She finally got no. her braces off, I heard. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is just going to devolve further. So thanks for listening, everyone. Wasing to the time of next. Boom! You see how I just cut that off? Man, wow, yeah, you, you really, uh, yeah. You really knew Music by Miracle of Sound. Damn it! And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. For that die, 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 we'll keep it in our hands. Oh, 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 oh. we are the better boys. We are the better Never let it fade